Hey folks, Andy Patton here talking all things freshman phenom Hunter Salas in today's episode, the third installment in our Gonzaga Bulldogs player in review series. We'll discuss Hunter's final season, first season, excuse me, in Spokane, how he performed compared to my best and worst case scenarios laid out before the season, and what the future holds for Salas. Will he stick around? Will he potentially try to go pro? All right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Gonzaga Athletics. I want to thank all of you who make this podcast your first listen of the day, especially those of you who are continuing to listen as we are in the off-season. Shout out to the Kansas Jayhawks for winning a national championship. This is the first episode recorded after that, so we are officially in the college basketball off-season. We did reach our goal of 500 or more subscribers before the end of the season. I sincerely appreciate all of you who subscribe. That is, of course, on YouTube. If you have not checked out the show there, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags. There's wonderful playlists for you to comb through, see all of my interviews with guests, see all of the season in review series episodes, all of that. So go to YouTube, hit subscribe. I appreciate it. All right, today is the third episode in what will be a 12-part series discussing every player on Gonzaga's roster from last year, how they performed, how they performed compared to my best and worst case scenarios, which were laid out in my first episodes as the host of the Locked On Zags podcast way back in October. And then, of course, a discussion about the future for each of these players. For so many guys on Gonzaga's roster this year, the future is a little bit uncertain. The transfer portal makes it so that anything can really change at any time for so many guys. And of course, there's a lot of players on this team who have professional aspirations. We're going to start today discussing Hunter Salas, the freshman who came into this program. He officially committed to Gonzaga on March 26th. 2021. So it has been almost exactly a year, just over a year since he committed. When he committed, this is a fact that I don't know that many people will remember. He was very briefly the highest rated recruit in Gonzaga basketball history. That was a title that was held by Jalen Suggs for about a year. Hunter Salas took the mantle very briefly. And then of course, Chet Holmgren took the mantle from him, a mantle that he is likely going to hold on to for a very long time as it doesn't get a whole lot higher than being the number one overall recruit in your class. But still, shout out to Hunter Salas for briefly having that title. That is an incredible accomplishment for him. He was the first five-star in the state of Nebraska's school history. Another awesome accomplishment for Hunter, a phenomenal high school basketball player, McDonald's All-American, all of that great stuff, had a ton of options for where to go to college, he was recruited by Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, UCLA, Oregon, Creighton, Iowa State, among many others. He, of course, chose to head out west 
to come to Gonzaga to join a group of a lot of other Midwesterners who have come to Gonzaga, including, of course, Suggs and Holmgren and Gino Crandall and some guys from Chicago like Zach Norvell. Braden Huff is coming into the class as well next season. Lots of Midwesterners coming out to Spokane. Salas is one of the best of that group. We saw him flash these ridiculous levels of athleticism as early as craziness in the kennel where he won the dunk contest. He really got people hyped up about what kind of player and what kind of athlete he is when he crushed it at that event. That, combined with his high status as a top five star recruit, led him to being listed on the Jerry West Award watch list before the season for best shooting guard in the country. This man came into this program with some serious hype. And while he did not play a big enough role to earn those kind of accolades, he clearly did not let the hype get to him. Salas settled into a role as the fourth guard for this Gonzaga team. Andrew Nemhart and Rasir Bolton were your starters. Julian Strother started at the three. Nolan Hickman was your backup point guard and ended up playing more minutes than Salas throughout the season, whereas Salas played in all 32 games, or excuse me, he played in 32 games, he averaged just under 14 minutes per game. This is significantly less than I thought that he would average before the season. We'll talk more about that in those best and worst case scenarios, but he still made the most of it. He averaged four and a half points per game, two boards, about a half an assist and a half a steal per game. He was very, very efficient shooting. He was 56.4% from the field, just under 71% from the free throw line. He struggled from beyond the arc. This was kind of something that wasn't really a big part of his arsenal coming to Gonzaga. He didn't shoot the three ball particularly. He just didn't shoot it all that much in high school because he didn't need to because he was a 6'5 athletic freak who could get by everybody and score on them at will. And he did that phenomenally in high school. And frankly, he did that really well at Gonzaga too, but that three-point shot wasn't there. He shot 26% on the season. He finished the year with an offensive rating of 114.3 and a defensive rating of 92.7. Just a reminder on those numbers, offensive rating is the amount of points you score in 100 possessions, excuse me, and your defensive rating is the amount of points you give up. So in 100 possessions, Salas would score roughly 114 points, and he would give up 92 points. Those are pretty dang good numbers. The 114.3 offensive rating, believe it or not, is 8th on Gonzaga's team last year because they were a ridiculously efficient offensive team, but that defensive rating of 92.7 was 3rd among Gonzaga's regulars behind Chet Holmgren and Anton Watson, which is what we're going to talk about significantly in the second segment, is his defense. Hunter Salas was a phenomenal on-ball, off-ball defensive player this season. We knew that was going to be one of his strengths coming into the year, and he proved it significantly. Third game of the year for Salas, he dropped a what is currently a career-high 16 points on 6 of 9 shooting against Alcorn State. This was kind of his big breakout game. And then after that, he really got relegated deep onto the bench. It was a bit of a surprising decision, especially in the games that Gonzaga struggled with physicality, specifically from the opposing guards. Hunter Salas, who is skinny, he's 6'5 and 175 pounds per sportsreference.com. I think he's probably got a little bit more on him than that. But he's, he's not a particularly big guy, but he's... He's 6'5". He's got some some size on him, and he was completely relegated to the bench when Gonzaga was struggling with that physicality. In the UCLA, Duke, Tarleton, and Alabama game, that four-game stretch, he played a combined 32 minutes. So just about eight minutes per night 
in those games. He didn't play exceptionally well in those games, but he didn't play that poorly either. He just was was shoved deep onto the bench. He played a fair amount more in the UCLA game because it was a blowout, but we saw very little of him against Duke, very little of him against Tarleton State, only 11 minutes against Alabama. So you could start to see him fall out of the rotation at that point, or not, not fully out of the rotation, but out of favor uh, in terms of playing time. There wasn't a an obvious reason to us why that was happening, particularly considering what Gonzaga was struggling against at that time. He did have a really nice stretch at the end of the non-conference slate and into the beginning of the conference slate, which is kind of when Gonzaga was at their absolute best. That was that stretch where they were scoring well over 100 points per game pretty much every single contest, and Salas was a big part of that for a five-game stretch. He averaged nine points, three and a half boards, 1.2 assists, and shot a blistering 65.5% from the field. So that's kind of when we saw him start to really find his role, find himself, become more of a scorer, looking to actually put the ball in the hoop, something we didn't see him doing all that much early in the year. He started to gain a little bit more confident with his shot. Uh, He still didn't take a lot of three-pointers on the season. Uh, We kind of had heard some rumblings that the staff was working with him on his three-point shot. I believe Dan Dickow mentioned that on a handful of broadcasts, that they were trying to work with his form. They were trying to get him more consistent. Uh, He only took eight three-pointers in the final 15 games of the season, but he made four of them. So for a guy who shot 24% on the season, to shoot 50% in your last 15 games, again, very small sample size, but still some encouragement to see some of that progress, not only him be a little bit more confident with pulling those shots, but also knocking them down at a high clip. He's probably not a 50% three-point shooter next season or going forward, but I have a pretty strong feeling he's also not a 24% three-point shooter going forward as well. All right, that is a quick overview of Salas and his first season in Spokane. We're going to look back at the best and worst case scenarios that I laid out for Hunter before the season began. We're going to look at how those went, what that means for his future. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still... Locked on Zag, still going through Hunter Salas's season in review. Here in the second segment, we are going to take a look at the October 2021 thoughts from myself, Andy Patton, and discussing his 
excuse me, Hunter Salas's best and worst case scenarios for the season. Uh, Salas was a tough one to pin down. The best case scenarios were very, very, very optimistic to what he could become. The worst case scenarios were pretty down on what he could be. It's hard to make these predictions for incoming freshmen. So we're going to discuss what, why things maybe didn't happen, why things did happen, uh, and what it could mean for his future. So October 2021, Andy said the best case scenario for Hunter Salas is that he wins the Jerry West Award. He is an all-WCC player, an all-American honorable mention or second team player, and that he is easily headed to the NBA and a potential top five pick. This is where the bar was for Hunter Salas before the season. Perhaps it was unfair, but of course Gonzaga had just had the number six rated recruit in the country in Jalen Suggs. He hit pretty much all of those metrics. He did not win the Jerry West Award because he was a traditional point guard. He was all WCC. He did head to the NBA. He was a top five pick. So it was kind of understandable that we pushed some of those expectations onto Salas, when in reality, looking at the makeup of the roster... It made some sense that Salas would be more of a two-and-done guy, which is what we're going to talk about in the third segment, our predictions for that. But frankly, Salas, there's, it's not a lack of skill that didn't cause that caused him to not be all WCC, to not be headed to the NBA. It was just, he just didn't have the role. He just did not play that role. I don't think that the, the hype around him as an athlete, as a potential NBA player, as a potential All-American candidate, I don't think any of that should be dimmed because he's not good enough. That I do not believe that at all. I just he needed a role and he did not have that last year. He may have that this upcoming season. Again, the next thing down on my best case scenario was he needs to play 28 to 30 minutes per night in a crowded Gonzaga rotation for this to happen. That's just he just didn't he didn't get the playing time. He played 14 minutes per night. I think there's some pretty strong arguments that he should have played more at times. But also, Rissier Bolton and Andrew Nembhard were very, very good. Andrew Nembhard was arguably the best point guard in the entire country. Bolton, we've already discussed, had a phenomenal role for this team, played 28 minutes per night, and was excellent throughout the season. Nolan Hickman faded a little bit down the stretch, but early in the year, he was very, very good as as well. So we just didn't have enough room for Salas to play 28 minutes per night. Um Best case scenario for Salas, he's the greatest transition scorer in school history thanks to his verticality and athleticism. So this could still be the case. <laughs> this this may be, be a reality. It's not a, currently a reality because he didn't play enough for it to be the case. But his ability to get out in transition, his, his athleticism, his verticality, uh, his hands-on defense, ability to steal the basketball, he is and will continue to be an elite transition scorer. Again, with more playing time, we'll get more opportunities to get out and run. Uh, I think more comfortability at the college level, knowing when he can go for some of those steals, when he should stay back and play defense, when he should pull it back on fast breaks versus when he should actually go for it, how referees officiate the game. All of these things that he learned as a freshman that just all freshmen have to learn. He is now more comfortable, more confident. I think he's going to be an absolute menace in transition if he's here next season. Uh, And we saw glimpses of it last year. He had some phenomenal plays in transition uh, and not all of them were scores one of my favorite plays from Salas last year was he got out in transition he drove to the basket he had a one-on-one opportunity but the defender was in good position he instead of instead of going up for the shot he turned he swung it out to Andrew Nembhard who was at the wing Nembhard caught it really quickly dished it to Julian Strother who was still coming down the lane Strother caught it hit a hit a three bang it was a beautiful play. Salas gets credited with nothing, unfortunately, because we do not have hockey assists as a stat in basketball, but he was the one that made that play happen. And those are the kind of things I expect to see a lot more from him going forward. 
Best case scenario for Hunter Salas, he's an elite scorer around the rim. He finishes with both hands. He can dunk on people, and his floater game is strong. Pretty much all of this happened. He was a phenomenal dunker. He is an elite scorer around the rim. His percentages around the rim were excellent all season long. Uh, the floater game wasn't really there. Again, it was less of... I don't know necessarily that he doesn't have a floater. We just didn't get to see it all that much. It is definitely a part of his game that if it is not currently developed, he should continue to work on it because I think for somebody who puts his head down and goes to the basket the way that he does, we saw it with Jalen Suggs. Once Suggs started knocking down floaters, he was a lot more difficult to stop because it's a really, really easy way to get a quick two instead of barreling headfirst into people. Going forward, uh, he's elite at moving without the ball and slashing to the hoop. Yes, Absolutely. Hunter Salas was one of the best moving without the basketball players I have ever seen in a Gonzaga uniform. It is clear, and they said this on basically every broadcast, that he is watching tape of Joel Ayayi. He is learning from Joel. He's learning when to make those cuts, when to try to get to the basket, when to make eye contact with the offensive player to know that he's going to get the basketball, all of that stuff. Joel was a maestro at it. And Salas is very clearly, as the year went on, he got better and better and better and better at this. Uh, it's Right now, it is his best skill outside of on-ball defense. His best offensive skill, unquestionably, is moving without the basketball and getting himself lay-ins or at least free-throw attempts by cutting to the rim and getting a pass that way. Best case scenario for Hunter Salas, his mid-range game is solid and his three-point shot is passable. So these are just areas for him to improve. We didn't see much of the mid-range game because he just wasn't a mid-range shooter. That wasn't something that was asked of him to do in the offense. The three-point shot we've already kind of addressed. Uh, we knew it wasn't going to be a huge strength of his right away because it just wasn't a huge strength of his in high school. Uh, I think he's much better than a 24% three-point shooter, and I think we will see that next season. Uh, best case scenario, you can slide over and play point guard because of his high basketball IQ and ball handling skills. Uh, he just wasn't asked to do this. I think he's probably capable of playing the point if needed to. Uh, I think he will be even more comfortable in that role this season than he would have been last season just because he has more experience. Uh, but again, it, it may not even be something he's asked to do this upcoming season because of Hunter, uh, excuse me, because of Nolan Hickman, because of Dominic Harris, and because the Zags are almost certainly going to bring in another grad transfer guard or transfer guard, and that person is like going to have point guard experience, although I don't know for sure. And then Gonzaga's top perimeter on-ball defensive player, he's asked to guard the opposing team's best players. Yeah, he should have been utilizing this role more, quite frankly. I think uh, there are definitely points of criticism for Coach Mark Few and the staff this season. Uh, there are every season. No coach has ever had a perfect year. It just does not happen. Uh, I think for me, one of, if not the biggest thing that I would criticize Coach and the staff for this year was not utilizing Hunter Salas more, both on offense and on defense, but mostly on defense. Not because I don't think his offense is good, but because I think he proved unquestionably that he was capable of playing against the best opposing players defensively and handling them, and he did not always get that assignment. They had Bolton playing on Jamari Bouye quite a bit uh, in certain games, and while Bolton worked really hard to be a good defensive player, Salas is bigger, he's more physical, he's more athletic. I think he could have played that role a little bit better, and I think there was opportunities this season for Salas to play 20, 25, maybe even 30 minutes per night, mostly because of his defense, and the Zags just didn't didn't give him that opportunity. And then the last one on the best case scenario is that he's good in the passing lanes and it allows him to get out in transition. Yep, he had an excellent steal rate this season. He was one of the best guards in the country at getting the ball out, knocking it away, getting steals, getting out in transition. He will continue to be good at that going forward. 
Worst case scenario for Hunter Salas. The athleticism doesn't make up for rawness in his skills. I don't really think this is what happened. Uh, again, I think it was, it was more of just a lack of opportunity. I don't think that he, he certainly has some rawness in his game. Most 19-year-olds do. That is that is just a fact of life. Uh, but I think that he wasn't like overtly raw or anything like that. He just didn't play a whole lot of minutes. Uh, he makes a lot of mistakes as a passer and can only play off the ball. Again, just not something we really saw. I think he has some work to do on this. He had averaged about a half an assist per game and 0.7 turnovers per game. So his assist to turnover ratio was negative. That's never good, but it's also just a very small sample. He wasn't asked to be a huge passer or facilitator in this offense. Worst case scenario, the three-point shot doesn't develop. He shoots under 30% and defenders don't respect it. So yeah, this was this was a reality for Salas this past season. He he wasn't respected from beyond the arc. Teams could sag off of him, make him shoot over them. Again, it didn't happen all that often, uh, but he needs to be able to improve to be at least a 32, 33, 35 would be great percent three-point shooter going forward to really force defenses to come out on him, which gives him more opportunity to drive and also clears out some more room for the big men in the paint. Worst case scenario, his hellacious style of getting to the rim results in more offensive fouls than trips to the line. A little, but I don't think that this was a huge problem for Salas. He averaged uh, just under a free throw attempt per game and averaged just over a foul per game, but the fouls were not very often offensive fouls. It's just adjusting to the college game and the way that the referees call a lot of offensive fouls. That's just a part of how college basketball is right now. That could change. Hopefully it will change, uh, but I think he did a pretty good job of adjusting to that as the year went on. Overaggressiveness on defense allows savvy guards to beat him up. This didn't really happen, and this is why I, I think there's some some fair criticism of the staff for not playing him more in certain situations because he was a disciplined defensive player. He wasn't perfect, nobody is, but he was disciplined. He kept those guys in front of him. He didn't play so overaggressive that he let guys beat him. He played a good, especially for a true freshman, he played very, very good on-ball defense this season. And then Gonzaga is so loaded in the backcourt that he falls into a more limited role, maybe only plays 15 to 20 minutes per night. Yes, this is what happened. This, this, I mean, this should have been the first one that we talked about in the worst-case scenarios because ultimately most of the rest of the scenarios weren't that bad. It was just that he didn't play enough minutes for us to really see them all get fleshed out. And then finally, the last worst-case scenario, it's very obvious he's coming back next year, but that likely won't be a bad thing. And that is how you do a segue, because that is what we are going to talk about in the third segment. We're going to discuss Salas's future. Is he staying? Is he going? My thoughts on what might happen with the freshman from Nebraska. Before we get there, though, let's talk about rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com 
right, segment three, still Eddie Patton, still locked on Zag, still talking all things Hunter Salas. Now here, third segment, we're looking toward the future. Salas is one of many players on this roster who has at various points throughout the season showed up on NBA mock drafts and been considered a player who might be a one-and-done or who might leave after this year, you could look at Gonzaga's roster and see five or six guys who could potentially leave and as many as only one or two who might actually leave. That's what makes it so challenging right now for them on the transfer portal market. That's what makes it hard for us to predict what their roster is going to look like next season because a lot of guys got some decisions in front of them. Hunter Salas before the season, I thought for sure was a one-and-done. In this same segment, in this episode in the preseason, I stated that. I said, I think he's a one-and-done. I think he's a potentially lottery pick. I think he's gone. Now, I don't think that's the case. However, I do think he is going to test the draft waters. I think, frankly, it would be dumb for him not to. At this point, because of the way the NCAA has these rules set up, you can declare for the NBA draft without hiring an agent, and you can go to workouts, you can talk to teams, they can give you feedback. There is a deadline where you have to decide you're coming back to school or else you are stuck in the NBA draft. But we see a lot of players every single year, uh, a lot from Gonzaga particularly, who go, who do this, who get some feedback, who opt to come back. I think that makes a lot of sense for Salas to do, for Hickman to do, for Strother to do, uh, for most of the players on this team who have aspirations of playing professionally. It makes sense for all of them to do because you get very valuable feedback. I think for Salas, the feedback that they're going to hear, and I'm not an NBA scout, nor do I pretend to be an NBA scout, but obviously his lack of outside shooting at this point is going to be a detriment. The NBA is so so focused on being able to space the floor to knock down open outside shots. I think Salas has the ability to become a good outside shooter, but he is not that currently, and it would be a hard sell for an NBA team to draft him at a spot where he would be comfortable leaving Gonzaga. I don't know that he would be a first-round pick if he were to leave this season. He would have to really stun people in his workouts, which is frankly possible. I don't want to pretend like that could not happen. The dude is a very, very good athlete, very smart basketball player. I think he's capable of really turning some heads if he were to work out for some teams. But at the end of the day, I think he would maybe get some interest as a second-round pick, and I think it would be smarter on his part not just for Gonzaga, obviously it's a benefit to the Zags as well, but I think it makes sense for him to come back to be the man on this team next year and look at being a potential two-and-done guy. Should he make that decision, I think he gets the keys to the kingdom for the Zags next year. Obviously we don't know what the rest of the roster looks like, but for me, for my money, Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas are your two starting guards next season. I feel very confident that that is how things would break down. Dominic Harris will absolutely be in that mix. He could potentially start in a three-guard lineup should the Zags opt to do that, or he would just play a significant role coming off the bench. It kind of depends what happens with Julian Strother in that regard. Drew Timmy could come back as well. That doesn't impact the guard rotation, although it would impact the amount of touches that Hunter Salas gets as a scorer because the ball is going to be facilitated through Timmy if he were to return. But I think, I think Salas is an athlete that scouts are going to love. I think he's the guy who, if he comes back next season and is playing a significant role, if he's starting, if the expectation is, hey, this is the guy who's going to play 28 to 30 minutes per night, I think you see him back on that Jerry West Award watch list. I think you see him all over preseason NBA mocks, which are a silly thing to do. But yes, people make mock drafts in October and November. And I think Hunter Salas is going to be all over those as a guy that people identify as, hey, 
this is a dude who's gonna who's gonna leave after this year. He's a second year guy. Keys to the kingdom. Jaden Ivy at Purdue is a good example. That's a very very high end outcome for Hunter Salas. Jaden Ivy was in the mix for the number one overall pick at times this season. Now he's kind of in that three to five range alongside Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, all of those guys. But that that's the kind of outcome we could talk about with Salas. Ivy is a bit of an undersized combo guard who is a very, very good athlete who had a good but not huge role as a freshman who exploded as a sophomore for a very, very good offensive team. I think Salas makes a lot of sense as a potential Jaden Ivey type comp, and I think we could see him have a really good year as a sophomore in Spokane in 2022-2023. All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got one more of these coming up on Friday, and on Thursday we got a look at Gonzaga's baseball program, as well as some other news and notes, some transfer updates for all of you right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Check it out there if you haven't yet. Finally, thank you to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now is a great time to make your second listen the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. With the college basketball season wrapping up, give Raphael Barlow a friend of the Salas family. Give him and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA Draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.